Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. That's especially the case today. We'd like to welcome back... Raul Agrawal, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Investment Officer at Advisor Partners, an asset manager with tax efficiency and socially responsible investing focus. He speaks to us from their headquarters in beautiful Walnut Creek, California. Raul, welcome back to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you very much, Charlie. I'm happy to be back here. So, Raul, uh, you started... uh, out at uh, MIT with a bachelor's and then a master's degree in engineering. And um, you've been at Deutsche Bank and at Goldman Sachs. You've been focused on derivatives and quantitative investing, which is stuff that, uh, for most of us, uh, rather unknown and uh, big black boxes. And for the past six years, you've been at Advisor Partners. So give us a, let's start with a brief background of yours here, Raul. Yeah, well, thank you for that introduction, Charlie. So as you mentioned, you know, I have a quantitative background graduating from MIT, and I decided to go in the financial services field, where I started off being a risk guy over at Bank of America Securities. And then, as you mentioned, I was a portfolio manager at Goldman Sachs for um, five to six years, where I focused on quantitative investing along with some tax optimization strategies, uh, then moved over to Deutsche Bank Securities, where I continued to be a risk um, individual uh, focusing on the, in the derivative space. An opportunity came up over at Advisor Partners where they were looking for someone to um, oversee their tax efficient strategies and to enhance them along with their socially responsible investing strategies. So with my background and the ability to develop um, scalable solutions and also provide superior performance, I saw it as a great opportunity for me to come over, and I've been here for six years, and our firm is uh, doing well, and our assets continue to grow in this type of uh, market environment. Okay, before we move on here, Raul, a couple of questions here. For those of us uh, in the uh, uh, listening, uh, give us a 30-second definition of quantitative investing, will you? Sure. Um, what it is is that we... Uh, approach our strategy by applying um, a lot of the um, types of theories that you learn about in academics, where we uh, calculate various types of metrics across individual securities. And based on how these metrics um, tell us and what their values are, we will invest in these securities accordingly. So uh, we're not individual stock pickers. We are not a fundamental shop. But instead, we use a quantitative discipline um, in order to determine uh, which securities are worth investing in. So a quantitative discipline, that means you look at what? So we're looking at uh, various different types of factors. Um, In the case of our ESG space, we will look at ESG type factors, um, assess some value to how good or how poor uh, companies are doing in the social responsible space, and as far as tax efficiency goes, uh, we will look at you know how much in the way of losses 
securities have. Um, for some of our other strategies that um, we, um, we also uh, offer is that we will calculate things like the quality of a security, um, what the expected dividend yield is on a security, its volatility, and based on all those different metrics, we will um, um, manage strategies that are in line with what the client is uh, looking for us to do. Okay, so l- let's look at uh, uh, question number two. You were probably uh, very early, but in the derivatives area when 2008 came along. Did that precede you, or where were you at that time the, for the credit crisis? Yeah, during that time, I was over at Goldman Sachs. So okay. I was a portfolio manager during that time. Okay, and you were in derivatives. Can you give us a 30-second reaction to uh, <laughs> how that went, or was it not as bad as it appeared, or did people not know what they were doing? How about a little input here? You don't have to name names or <laughs> yeah. anything like that. Here. Yeah, for us, in the quantitative space, our actual bad year was not so much in 2008, but in 2007, where there was an overcrowding of investors in the, in the quantitative space. And we learned our lesson um, in 2007 after incurring um, some huge losses so that when 2008 came about, uh, we were uh, much more ready and uh, very well prepared in order to handle uh, what had come about. Uh, Now, from a loss harvesting perspective, one of the strategies that we manage, even though the markets were um, plummeting during that time, it presented a great opportunity for us to really take advantage of the losses that um, we're incurring in the individual securities to really improve after-tax returns. Oh, okay. So uh, do, do, do you think that the uh, derivatives market, was it valid but misused? Um, uh, did people uh, do it who should have known better? Did they just not understand it? Uh, because, uh, let's face it, you know, people think that the, uh, the financial markets uh, in the world could have... Uh, Gone, gone down and gone underground. Uh, you know, if the Fed hadn't, if uh, the uh, the government hadn't stepped in. Yeah, well, with any investment, uh, I'm a very strong believer that you should only be investing in financial instruments that you really understand, understanding the risks and what the potential for losses are. Uh, if you one is in using these types of instruments but not fully understanding the risks. Uh, you as an investor are certainly doing yourself a disservice. Uh, I think the derivatives market, especially during that time, should be used twofold. One, to help enhance returns, but also to help manage your risks. And if you are investing in these types of instruments, um, you certainly uh, suffered from those ramifications in 2008. Okay, okay. Well, maybe that's a conversation for another day because that that, that is a... Uh a topic of conversation that that I find to be very, very interesting. And yet, uh, you know, it's easy to say we need to understand risk, but I didn't hear many people at that time who seemed to understand that risk. So so let's move on here. So uh, uh, you guys at Advisor Partners were established by Andrew Rudd, professor of finance at Cornell University, and you have two particular focuses. Today we're going to focus primarily on the socially responsible investment uh, strategy, but let's start and briefly cover the ATI, the Active Tax Index strategy that you guys offer. Tell us about it, will you? 
Yeah, the objective of that strategy there is to provide uh, index-like returns on a pre-tax basis. So if the S&P is up 10%, your portfolio should be up you know, between 9 to 11%. If the S&P is down 5%, then your portfolio should also be down. But really, really the focus is for this strategy isn't really the pre-tax returns, but rather the after-tax returns. So what we're trying to do is to maximize how many dollars end up in your pocket at the end of the day after Uncle Sam takes his cut, after all commissions are accounted for, which, you know, in this day and age, uh, commission trading is, is essentially free. Um, and so, so that is the primary objective, is to track the benchmark on a pre-tax basis, but to add quite a bit of alpha on an after-tax basis. So um, in the day of, of ETF, and, and you do this through ETFs, correct? Market ETFs? Yeah, we, we actually do this using individual stocks. Um, oh, okay. We argue that um, any manager that claims to provide superior after-tax returns through ETFs is uh, not doing it correctly. The only way to really do this properly is through individual stocks. Okay, so you must be doing tax harvesting kind of things. That's correct. Okay. And, you know, it's hard enough to pick the direction of one stock, but uh, to double that effort, and you're now doing it on two different stocks or, or maybe more, uh, th- th- that's got to increase the challenge, increase the risk, et cetera. Uh, is that what you find? Yeah, so the, the general approach is that you're, you're absolutely right, Charlie. We, we don't know, nor do we have a view on which stocks are going to go up or down. So the reason why one has to invest in individual stocks is that one has to invest in a number of different securities. Our, our expertise is to invest in the right securities to still get benchmark returns. Then if a stock you know, plummets in value, then we will replace that name, sell that name, and then replace it with a similar stock in a similar industry so that if that industry or stock rebounds, chances are, the, the stock that we have chosen will also rebound, so your portfolio will continue to grow, but at the same time, you have capitalized on the loss that you have harvested. So this is really where the power technology comes into play for us to be able to implement this um, very efficiently. Okay. Now, we hear often that, uh, Raul, that, that 70% of the stocks move in the same direction as their sector. Uh, do you find that uh, to be accurate, or do you find it to be closer to 55% or closer to 80%? Uh, you, you've got to have an opinion on that particular subject, uh, given what you guys do. Yeah, so um, I don't have exact numbers, but the general philosophy there I, I absolutely agree with, which is why our strategy is able to work the way it does. Um, to give you a more concrete example, you know, we may buy a name like Coke, but we may not buy Coke and Pepsi. So if Coke falls in value, we will sell that security, capitalize on losses, and then replace it with similar names in that specific sector. So replace it with Pepsi so that when those names do bounce back, your portfolio will move with the index. So generally speaking, yes, you know, we are, are, are in agreement uh, with that statement there. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, it will be very difficult for any manager to track the benchmark unless they own each and every constituent outright. Right, right. Okay, so uh, I presume you're typically buying high beta stocks. 
Yeah, so we'll buy high beta stocks. We will buy stocks that, um, you know, based on what's in the portfolio, we want to, the, the end objective is for the portfolio to have um, a beta of one to the underlying index. So if there are stocks that might be negatively correlated to the index, then we'll overweight it with other stocks that are highly positively correlated to the index so that the net portfolio value, the net beta of the portfolio, is tied to the index. It's not so much the individual stocks, but rather what does the portfolio on a holistic level look like? Gotcha. And uh, what uh, you hold about how many positions at any given time? Is it in the dozens? If there's there, is there a handful? It really depends on the benchmark. We are benchmark agnostic. So if it's, um, you know, as a general rule of thumb, we'll hold you know, anywhere from 20 to 25, maybe even 30% of the names of the benchmark. So for an S&P 500, you know, we'll hold maybe 150-ish or so names to, um, that, that are constituents of the S&P. If it's the S&P 1500, an all-cap benchmark, then we'll probably hold closer to 300, 350 different names. So it really is a function of the uh, benchmark that the portfolio is being managed against. And who selects that benchmark? That is uh, directed to us by the advisor, by the client. Um, for this type of strategy, we are only a sleeve of the overall client's portfolio asset allocation. So rather than investing in an index fund like SPY, clients will use us to fulfill that asset allocation sleeve, and they will tell us what type of exposure they want, whether it is global, large cap, small cap, uh, whatever their their um, desired exposure is. Do you ever drill down uh, into the higher weeds, such as sectors, industries, etc.? Yeah, absolutely. If clients want an industry-specific um, portfolio, we can certainly do that. Similarly, if clients want to exclude industries because they already have too much exposure to, say, the tech sector and other parts of the portfolio that we're not seeing, we can do that. One of the biggest benefits to the strategy is not only that we're focused on individual, I'm sorry, that we're focused on after-tax return, but also because each and every portfolio can be customized exactly to how clients want that. And that's something that really sets us apart from the marketplace. Okay. Do you have an example that you could give us uh, of, of you know how this worked out? I mean, I presume if somebody has a highly concentrated position, let's just say they inherited uh, IBM stock, or you know they got it at a very low um, cost basis, uh, and they wanted to you know do something with greater diversification, I presume that person. You guys would be a gold mine for them, whereas other people who have been investing in kind of normal ways, you're not going to be able to generate as, as much alpha here. Is, is that fairly accurate? Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly accommodate both types of strategies, but, but in your first example, that's, that you, you hit the nail right on the head, Charlie. Um, this strategy really works well for clients with concentrated positions. Um, who have low basis stock and are trying to diversify their exposure in a tax-neutral manner. So what would happen is that they would provide us with the concentrated stock along with some um, additional cash, so at least we can loss harvest on that piece of the portfolio. And as we harvest losses, we will then use those losses to unwind the appreciated concentrated stock at a gain. 
so that over time the client's portfolio becomes more and more diversified while at the same time um, they're able to accomplish this in a tax-neutral manner. Um, so that's, that's a perfect case for where this type of strategy is useful. And, and there are definitely uh, a few other situations, but this is one of the ones where we see it applied to most often. Yeah. And now a final question before we move on to SRI here. What, uh, we're living in California, okay? And does this impact state taxes as well? Yeah, so, I mean, it depends on the individual um, state itself. But, you know, in the state of California, one can um, certainly write off the uh, losses on their um, tax bill, on their state tax bill at the end of the year. So it does benefit the client from both the federal and a state tax level. Now, I will caveat this, that, you know, we we certainly don't consider ourselves to um, be providing uh, tax advice. So I would advise um, you know, anyone listening to certainly double-check with their tax accountant um, to ensure that they are also receiving benefit at the state uh, level as well. Okay, thanks. So let's move on to socially responsible investing. That's a topic that is getting a lot of attention here. In fact, Davos was last week, and it was a major topic of uh, conversation there. So tell us uh, how you guys do it. Yeah, so similar to our tax loss harvesting strategy, you know, we advocate that one of the one of the, the best ways to implement responsible investing strategies is again um, at the individual client level. Um, you know, how you consider to be an alcohol-free portfolio to you, Charlie, might mean something a little different to me. And the problem with using ETFs and mutual funds is that it is essentially a standardized solution for a one-size-fits-all type of um, solution. And what we argue is that if one were to invest in a separately managed account, or SMA, one can apply uh, specific customizations so that they get exactly the portfolio that they are looking for um, that is very much in line with their exposures. And, you know, happy to give you uh, an example if you you care about that. Yeah, yeah, give us an example here, Raul. So one, one, one specific stock that you know, I, I use um, all the time is really uh, Wynn Resorts. Um, you know, a lot of people, may, investors may determine that Wynn Resorts has become a more um, um, responsible name to invest in because of how many women they have added to their board ever since uh, Steve Wynn um, was accused of the sexual harassment scandal that he was in. Right. Similarly, someone else could argue, well, because Steve Wynn was involved, their CEO was involved in that type of scandal, who's not to say that that could happen again? And therefore, they may have shortcomings um, you know, in, in, in how they're managing their board. So one may want that excluded from their portfolio. So because different people have different views on different stocks and what is important to them, by using our version of the strategy or, or our implementation, one can really define the portfolio exactly the way they want to. And we'll certainly assist them to the extent that, that they can, but if clients have strong views on specific names, we can certainly filter those in or out. And it's, it's, it certainly is something that's not a, a feature that's available if you were to invest directly into 
responsible um, ETFs or mutual funds. You know, Raul, I, I really appreciate what you're saying there because one of my criticisms, and I've had many, i got to tell you, about socially responsible investing is exactly what you're talking about. It's a one-size-fits-all. And when you dig down and you, 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 know, you, you lift the hood and you, look on, and you look at the engine, you just have a thousand different questions about, hey, yeah. well, wait a minute, what about this? They're using more coal than anybody else is, or this manufacturing process process is creating more, uh, you know, carbon uh, than uh, than anybody saving in gas over the next five years and those kinds of things. And when you really look at it, it's a complicated thing. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't like win resorts because I don't like gambling. Okay, (laughs) and so I know I'm in the wrong business for (laughs) for for thinking that. But Uh, You know, everybody has their own view. And, uh, you know, for somebody, number of women on the board is a high issue for somebody else. The fact that it's a gambling uh, product is is more important or less important or whatever. So I like to hear I I like what you're saying about, um, you know, being individualized because you take these, you know, use a machete here and you take these these situations that can be you know, very, very different than you think they are. So I, I appreciate hearing that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that uh, very much, Charlie, hearing that from you. I mean, because at the end of the day, when you're investing in an ETF or mutual fund, you're effectively investing in the manager's views of what is responsible and what's yeah, not. Yeah, that's not right. necessarily your views. And we've taken a look at some of these ETFs and mutual funds, especially these ones that claim that they are carbon-free, and the amount of carbon exposure is just staggering. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we, we pride ourselves in being able to implement ESG in this way. And again, this really speaks to our ability to customize and the type of technology that we have in place for us to be able to facilitate this type of solution to um, a lot of our clients. You know, uh, you and I met, uh, Raul, as you may recall, a couple of years ago at an SRI conference down in San Diego. And SRI was, you know, in the past couple of years, again, has become much more uh, high profile and and more popular. Is that what you are seeing uh, in the industry or is it going slower than the media kind of touts it to be? So we are seeing the growth. Um, you know, in my personal opinion, you certainly hear, and, and assets are certainly moving towards that space. But what I'm finding is that uh, uh, some folks, they, they love talking about it. Some of them are a little gun-shy as far as pulling the trigger goes. And some of them uh, want it just because everyone else is doing it, which speaks to my earlier point that, you know, please make sure that you fully understand your investments before um, investing in something. So I I certainly don't want to uh, dissuade anyone from investing in in the ESG strategy, but you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't understand it. And I'll further add that if managers like myself are not properly explaining how the strategy works and what we are doing, then that should be a red flag to the investor to, you know, don't invest with us because that is part of my job. That is part of our firm's job is to properly educate, um, you know, investors on what we're doing and why we're doing it so they get comfortable with this type of strategy. 
You know, I again, my, my, my second issue with <laughs> SRI is that it's used as a marketing tool. And mm-hmm. they, they come up with this slogan or this 15-second soundbite, and it doesn't begin to cover what the SRI is really all about. And uh, so I, I like what you're saying that addresses those, those two major topics for me. So let, let's change the focus a little bit here. Raul, we like to ask... Um, what uh, what uh, is the best advice you've ever heard, read, or received about investing? Yeah, so um, I I think I've I've mentioned that is is um, the best advice that I've received is understand what it is you're investing in. Um, if you're getting sold a, a commodity-linked note but don't understand what the risks are, <laughs> right. don't invest in it. I've had friends who've been pitched that. They've come to me, and I've even told them, hey, if, if I'm struggling to understand it, yeah. that's probably <laughs> not a good investment for you. Because the last thing you want to do is invest in something that is highly leveraged, markets tank, you have another um, – similar situation in 2008, and now half your wealth is, is gone. To um, all those listeners out there, understand your investments and ask questions. And if your manager who you're talking to is reluctant to give you the information that you want, that should be a red flag and reconsider what you are investing in. Yeah, you know, Raul, I've had the, the same issue with annuities. And yeah. pe- people ask me a question about, the, you know, some annuity. And so I call the uh, the hotline, okay, of the insurance company, and the guy I'm talking to can't answer my questions, okay? <laughs> and yeah. and uh, now annuities are much safer than the, you know, CLOs and the things you're talking about here. But, yep. yeah, no, no, no question about it here. Okay, so second question we'd like to ask, Raul, is what keeps you awake at night? For me, it's, it's, it's our clients. Um, because we... You know, we're, like like I mentioned, we're 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 not a firm that takes uh, bets on the direction of the markets. You know, we're not a firm that takes views on individual stocks, because we offer highly personalized, you know, customized solutions. What I'm always concerned about is, are we doing the best for all of our clients? Is there something that we can be doing better? Are we maximizing the amount of loss harvesting that we are doing? Are we getting them? the right exposure to the responsible investing portfolios. And even though the process, you know, or the, the technology we've had in place has been around for the last four or five years, we're constantly enhancing it. We, we see something, we read something, um, clients mention something, we're constantly enhancing and improving it. Because at the end of the day, you know, our firm works for our clients. And if we're not putting our best foot forward, we're doing a disservice for our clients. Hey, we appreciate it. And our final question here, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? So the question that I get asked a lot is exactly that. What do you recommend for investors? And what I say is that everyone is a little different. Um, You know, you can read, you know, someone may love Benjamin Graham's, you know, The Intelligent Investor. Someone who's basic to, who's very new to finance may just want an investing for dummies book. I would say that if you're really interested in learning about investing, read the paper, read the news, and that's the best way to get exposure to it. I would even go so far to say probably shy away from what you see on TV because a lot of that tends to be short-term focused. 
I'm of the belief that most people, most investors are long-term focused, and um, it sometimes becomes difficult to discern the uh, short-term noise from what is, you know, what is the best value for you for the long term. So I would, I would recommend you know, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, Market Watch. Um, a lot of these are, are good uh, reporting uh, news services that really educate um, potential investors, new investors, uh, from, from understanding their investments. You know, I, I appreciate that. I've been a uh, reader of the Wall Street Journal every day for decades, and I love Barron's as well. And mm-hmm. so I, I just find that they, they provide good information. Although I have my criticisms, um, <laughs> they, 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 they do well. So for those who would like to know more, where can they go? Sure. There's two ways to get a hold of us. One, you can email us. The email is info, I-N-F-O, at advisorpartners, with an S, dot com, A-D-V-I-S-O-R-P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S, dot com. Alternatively, you can get a hold of us at 888-265-2257. Again, that is 888-265-2257. And um, you'll, you'll be able to learn a lot more about us, our strategies, and what we have to offer. Okay, Raul, thank you very much. So how about a few final words of wisdom for our, our listeners here? It's our listeners can tell I'm very much a fan of looking at performance, looking at your investments as far as how many dollars end up in your pocket. Um, there, there are two things that I would say. Number one, you know, always look at what really the after-tax return is. Um, you know, I think people get too caught up in the gross performance. Some of the better managers to talk net of fee performance. But what you should really be focused on is the net of fee after-tax performance because you want to know how much money ends up in your pocket after all is said and done with taxes. Um, and that said, you know, think about your objective. Try to put a lot of the noise you hear in the media aside. And if you're a long-term investor, I would say a lot of these types of news sources are probably not for you. Um, you know, stay, stay true to uh, what your strategy is and uh, – you know, I'm confident that it will pay off in the long run. Raul, thank you very much. Certainly uh, good advice for any investor. So we appreciate you being with us, and our best uh, wishes to you and uh, to Advisor Partners for um, continued success and uh, quality investment opportunities. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Charlie. Again, we've been talking with Raul Agrawal, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Investment Officer at Advisor Partners in Walnut Creek, California. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love to have you contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com or visit our website to listen to all of our podcasts, interviews, and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing.